Hi, I'm Jo Clark, and thanks so much for joining me today. This is the Redefining Midlife podcast, a podcast designed for the 40-plus woman who is determined to challenge society's myths and beliefs around midlife. It's for the woman who is inspired and ready to define midlife her way. Join me each week as I chat to health and wellness experts for up-to-date information on how to live well, as well as some special conversations with incredible everyday women redefining what midlife can look like. Here's to making our next half of life even better than the first. Get ready for an interview with one of Australia's leading online businesswomen. Kate Toon is a multi-award-winning digital marketing entrepreneur, most recently winning the 2022 Australian Small Business Influential Woman Award. Kate is an event speaker, podcaster, author, media spokesperson, digital marketing expert, copywriting educator, and coach. And as she likes to describe herself, she's basically a misfit entrepreneur. And as I found, she's also a bloody great human. However, this isn't a business podcast, so we don't really get into the business side of things. This podcast is all about women redefining what the middle of life means for them. So in today's episode, we talk about her life as a midlife woman, a mother and a partner. Kate and I have a great chat about how much she has evolved over the last decade and what she'd love for the future to hold for her. This chat actually felt like sitting down with an old friend and it was so much fun to have. I thoroughly enjoyed our time together. And I'd really love to thank Kate for being so incredibly honest and vulnerable with sharing the good, the bad and the not so pretty parts of her life. If you'd like to connect with Kate, you'll find all of her links in the show notes. Now on with the show. Welcome, Kate, to the Redefining Midlife podcast. I'm absolutely thrilled that you were able to join us today, and I'd love to hear more about your story. So before we begin, um, unless you're in the world of business, you probably may not have heard of Kate because Kate is well known within that world, but we're talking to Kate today as a midlife woman and how she's navigating through this stage of her life. So welcome. Oh, it's lovely to be here. Thank you for having me. Now let's go back to the younger Kate. I'd love to hear what younger Kate was like when she was in her very late teens and early 20s. What sort of things were you dreaming about and what were your ambitions? Gosh, you know, I, I don't think I had many ambitions, I must admit. I think I had a vague yen to be a magazine writer that's kind of what I wanted when I left school I was voted person most likely to write for smash hits which was a <laughs> popular pop magazine in the UK so yeah. I think writing has always been part of my goal and I used to do gig reviews and when I went to university I worked on the newspaper and then obviously I came out of university and did, didn't do that at all because I had huge debt from student loans and things. So I got a proper job. So I think that was it. I've always been, I was always very driven about, you know, having a boyfriend, very focused on having a boyfriend. God, the amount of time I wasted on that. Um, so I wouldn't, I wasn't like a particularly kind of, I look at some women today, younger women today, and they're so driven and ambitious and confident. Definitely wasn't me. No way at all. Kind of quite shy and retiring, nervous Nelly, uh, wanting to be in magazines, but probably not brave enough to do it. So, yeah, I'm not, you know, I'm not, I sound like quite mean to myself, but I wasn't one of these sort of thrusting, fabulous entrepreneur types in my 20s or my 30s, to be honest. So what did you study at university? Was it writing along those lines or was it something in business? 
English history and philosophy. So wow. I can tell you every Roman emperor and uh, do a good breakdown of a John Donne romantic poem, but nothing useful or practical. So nothing that you studied back in your university days has really got you to where you are today. I don't know. I mean, I like to be cynical about it. It was definitely not vocational, but I think having a love of language and an understanding of that is great. And, you know, having historical context in life in general, knowing that all of this has happened before, knowing why things have evolved the way they have, I think is really illuminating and helps you not panic as much when we have things like COVID. Um, you know, so I think they've influenced my life and therefore my career, but they weren't vocational necessarily. Mm. Isn't it interesting when you were talking about your younger self and you're saying, oh, you know, I'm sounding quite mean. What stage of life did you all of a sudden um, realise that you didn't have to be like that, that you could be more than than what you thought you were back in your, you know, your your younger years? So I think probably last week, maybe. I, I would honestly say that it's only really been the last couple of years where I felt bit more confident in myself who I am am I enough all that kind of stuff but it's definitely a work in progress I'm not there by any means um at all so yeah I'm still on that journey I think mm. it's it's constantly evolving isn't it and I think the older you get probably the more you you give less concerns about what others think and, and that's freeing in a way it so is. Great. Did you study when you were in a, in Australia or did you come to Australia later in life what's your story behind when you you came here and, and the why yeah, so I um I grew up in the UK, obviously, and uh, as you can tell from the accent, and I came over here about about eight, 25, 24, 25 as a backpacker. Um, I had no money. I ran out of money within two weeks of arriving in Australia, and so I got a job, and it just so happened to be a pretty amazing job. I was uh, head of digital at Ogilvy, uh, which was a new which was an ad agency and they were just launching into internet stuff. Mm. And because I'd done it in the UK, UK was a bit further ahead. I kind of came here and I was like, really great. You know, so I started off quite a senior role and then gradually over the next three years, as they realized I had no idea what I was talking about, got gradually demoted, which was hilarious. Um, but yeah, that that's how I came here. It wasn't necessarily an intention to stay, but then I got sponsored and was able to stay. And yeah, so that was how I got to Australia. Well, and was that the start of your your business world and your online business that you were starting to create from that point? Oh, gosh, no, absolutely not. So, you know, I only started my online business when I was about 35 and it wasn't a choice. It was a necessity. So um, I'd been told that we wouldn't be able to have kids, me and my husband, but then we miraculously got pregnant, which was amazing. Um, and I had a very full on job in an ad agency at that point, like kind of pretty much general manager of a big department. I knew that if I was to have a kid, it would be I'd be one of the parents, no judgment, but that was going to have to put their kid in childcare at like six weeks and whatever. And I just didn't want to do that because I wanted to have a kid for so long. I was like, oh, I'm going to be all in. So I left my job at five months uh, pregnant. I had no maternity leave because I was on a contract and I just literally had to make money. Uh, because my partner had no money. He had just started a French school. He had one student and I was the breadwinner. So at five months pregnant, I just had to do something to try and bring in money, you know, and that's that's mm. how my business started. Um, not kind of any glorious plan, no savings in the bank, no decision. I jumped. I definitely jumped. I wasn't pushed, but I jumped into the unknown. Yeah, right. That's that's a really interesting way to to, to start your business. And from that point, did you believe that you had the skills 
that you could grow it into something? Like, did you have a plan? Did you think that, right, I'm going to be able to create something really amazing? No, No, totally hand to mouth. Totally hand to mouth. I mean, let's be honest, the first year having a brand new baby and being sleep deprived and having like an hour to work, it was just desperate. Do you know what I mean? There's no glamour there. It's not like a, you know, people like, oh, you know, it was such a good time. I really found myself. No, it was, it was pretty miserable, you know? So no, I didn't have a plan and I've never had a plan and I still don't have a plan now. I never had a business plan. I don't set goals. I've never had a business coach, never had a mentor, never joined a mastermind. I just kind of go day to day and kind of trust yeah you know like I I probably should think more of myself but I just trust that I'll be okay it all mm. works out you know yeah bad bits good bits great launches fails so no never a plan it's all just been a natural evolution I, I love to take you know the untrodden path people are like you know don't look at shiny objects I love shiny objects most of my business is built on shiny objects so yeah just kind of bumbling along has been my uh, plan that's quite phenomenal because I'm only in the early stages of my business and have had some mentoring and I'm actually in a mastermind myself right now and I'm going, oh, there, I've got so many shiny objects, I don't think I would start something if someone didn't say, right, spend, not, not tell me what to do but mm. encourage me perhaps to start on that. So listening to you being able to do that and still create something quite phenomenal is is amazing because it can be done, I suppose, for different, depends on your personality type perhaps. It really does. And the problem I have, Joe, is I'm not very good at being told what to do. Yeah. In fact, if you tell me what to do, I'll I'll actually visibly recoil, you know. Mm-hmm. And so, But even I get funny about me telling me what to do. So if I do set a goal, I remember like about four years ago, I set a goal of getting 5,000 followers on Instagram. Stupid goal. Don't know why I did it. And then I did everything but... You know, I ranked number one on Google for hundreds of terms. I launched an email list. I launched a course and I didn't achieve that goal because as soon as I'd set it as a goal, I kind of lost interest in it. And Mm. so I do think it's important to look at yourself and think about how coachable you are. Mm. I've been working with a book coach uh, for a few weeks on my pitch and I really found the experience torturous. Everything she asked me to do, I kind of was like, why? Why do I do that? God, I was a nightmare. I had to send her an email apologizing for being an awful coachee because I just have this horrible, it's actually horrible, Joe, but it's it's positive. It's obviously been positive, but I always kind of think I know best and I don't, but in a way I do because I'm me. And even if I think I know best and try something and it fails, at least I 100% own it. Whereas I feel mm. if someone tells me to do something and it goes well, well, then it was their, it's their win. It's not my win. And if something someone tells me to do something and it fails, well, then that's I, I didn't. it's my fault because I shouldn't have done what they told me to do. So I just want to own my own decisions. Mm. Um, and I also am a bit funny that I don't want anyone else to take credit for my adventure you know, and some coaches are a bit like, oh, look at my person. I helped to do earn seven figures. And you're like, did you though? You talked to her for like an hour a week. She did the work. You did like yeah. 1%. She did 99. And there you are kind of claiming her as your win. She's her own win. So I get funny about that. <laughs> yeah, I can definitely see that side of it as well. And were yeah. you like this, given what you're like now as, a, as an adult, were you like this when you were a child with your parents, with your teachers, or is this something that's come across? Okay. No, I was very biddable. I'm a, I was a very biddable, obedient child, always trying to please my parents and still am. You know, I still want to be loved um, by everybody. Um, it's funny. I want to be loved, but I do unlovable things. At school, I think I started to arc up a bit. Arc up? Do we use that expression in Australia? It's very English. Oh, we do. I started to be a bit mouthy. 
Uh, yeah, started to be a bit mouthy about around 15, 16. My mum was called in because I was very sarcastic and to teachers and very back chatty. Um, but in a kind of fairly obedient way, it wasn't like I was, you know, smoking crack in the playground. I was just a bit sarcastic. So I've always been a bit sarcastic, I think, and a bit a bit counter. You know, I call myself, well, I wrote a book called The Misfit Entrepreneur. And I'm like, oh, I'm such the odd one out. But I like being the odd one out. Do you know mm. what I mean? That's I love that role. I'd I'd rather be the odd one out than be fully accepted. And yet at the same time, I want to be accepted. It's a contradiction, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what a what a what a life you lead, Miss Kate. That's amazing. You know, I need a, this is a psychology session. Should I just lie on my couch? <laughs> and straighten make, my yourself, hair? make yourself comfortable, dear. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> <laughs> now growing a business can take an awful lot of time and headspace. So how have you been able to navigate? All of that, whilst you had a young child, you've got to marry. You know, there's, there's so many components. So how have you managed it? It's funny, Joe. That's the topic of my new book. Ooh. Um, ooh. So, look, at times well, at times badly. I don't believe in balance. I believe that sometimes you're a good parent, sometimes you're a good partner, sometimes you're a good business person, and they're very rarely all at the same time. Um, I am. I think I'm very good at pro- being productive, and I'm very good at setting to-do lists and motivating myself. You know, I, I take the kind of Stephen King approach of I sit at my desk for six hours a day regardless, you know, and I work, you know, I, I often find inspiration in action. So I don't wait to be inspired or motivated. I do the thing until the kind of, you know, the, the motion of doing it becomes, propels myself. You know, mm. I think... I made choices early on that made it easier to be a parent. So I moved out of Sydney. Uh, we moved to the central coast, which meant there was no commute. I work from home in my back garden. That gives me a lot more time. The school is around the corner. Um, you know, and I, so I made decisions that made it easier. I took financial pressure off myself by moving out of a very expensive area so I didn't have to make as much money. Um, so I've made a few smart decisions, not very consciously, but looking back, it was quite clever, that have allowed me to maybe only work 20-ish hours a week. Mm. But also I think I'm I'm infinitely I'm I'm eager, but I'm patient. Like I think a lot of people mess things up for themselves by going, yeah, I want all of this and I want it now. Like I want to launch a membership and I want to have 200 members. Great. You can have that. It may take you three years. Are you willing to wait three years? And most people are like, what? No, I am willing to wait. All everything I've done has been very slow and interesting. Now it looks like I have this vast empire, but everything was built one at a time, slowly adding, spinning one more plate. So patience, I think, has been the key to me being able to build a successful business I'm 15 years into this nearly, 14. My son's nearly 14. So, you know, that's a long time. Mm. It's a long time. You know, and you can't compare me to someone who's been doing it for three years. After three years, I still barely knew what I was doing, you know. So um, it's just time and patience and persistence, I think, that have been the mm. Yeah. So are you would you see yourself as being quite intuitive? A lot of the decisions that you've made business-wise and then personal life by the sounds of you moving, was that based on a, a strong feeling that you had? Um, so you you acted upon that because you said you like to to do things yeah. quickly. So would you say you are intuitive and you felt that this was right and and so forth you'd go for it? You know, it's funny. No one's ever asked me that and I've, I've never really thought of it in those terms. I guess I am. I guess I am. I don't, you know, I, I try these days to be much more to think about why I think about what I think about. That makes mm-hmm. sense. You know, to separate the me, the myself and the I, to separate the thought, the feeling from the thought and the thought from the action. But in those days, I didn't. I just was blundering around. But I guess in a way, you're right. I was being led by something. 
and it was probably my intuition but I've just never framed it in that way so thank you Joan that's very oh, you're very welcome <laughs> that, that all comes with the the cost at the end of the session <laughs> <laughs> So over the past couple of years, you've started to reinvent yourself personally and explore new ways of being, new habits around the areas of wellness. What was the actual catalyst for some of those changes? And if you can tell other people who don't know of you what those changes have been. Yeah, so I did work very hard. You know, I'm a hard worker. I'm one of these people who measures themselves by their productivity, which is not great. Uh, We all pick something, uh, how well off you are, how much love you have, whatever. I've always been like, oh, you know, roll my sleeves up, get the work done. And and as long as I've done that, then that's all you can ask. So I worked very, very hard, probably too hard. My uh, partner and I I kind of started to drift apart a little bit. So I found a lot of solace in work because in work I felt like I was in control um got a bit lonely in my relationship if I'm honest and so again in work I found a lot of comfort and solidarity so I kind of gave everything to work I put on about 35 kilos uh got quite overweight and that started to cause some real health issues fatty liver and things like that and I just reached a real nadir if I'm honest a real low and um I don't know what the instigus was to kind of get out of it, but I just wanted to take action. So uh, I think it was a real acceptance. This is quite personal, but I had a real moment of accepting that my my marriage wasn't going to be what I wanted it to be. So I was going to just do my own thing. I wasn't ready to separate or anything, but I was like, no one's coming to save me. This isn't going to be the love of the, the, the romantic journey I thought it was going to be. I better get on with my life and make it what it needs to be. So I started to put myself out to speak at conferences and do things, even though I was really overweight, didn't like the way I looked. And started to, and then I did start to lose weight. It took me two years to lose the weight. Um, and then since then, I've also given up alcohol. Uh, because alcohol had become a bit of a, a crutch a glass of wine turned into two to three you know and becomes once a week and then it becomes every night and it becomes the norm and there's a whole mummy culture that it's okay you know feel sad have a wine feel happy have a wine mm-hmm. so I managed to kind of break that it's taken a couple of years to to go alcohol free but I've been alcohol free now for about seven eight months um mm-hmm. consistently um and that's been amazing that's been the biggest change because finally I can't escape my feelings ever. Yeah. And so you have to deal with them, which is horrible. Uh, but you do. And you come out the other side and you're fine. So, yeah, that's that's very personal stuff. But, yeah, that's my personal adventure to health. And now I'm going to the gym four days a week. I'm one of those revolting people, Joe. You know, when people say, oh, yeah, I get up at 5.30. I go for a walk on the beach and I go to the gym and then I have a smoothie. I am that person. <laughs> <laughs> what have you become, Kate? And who is this uh, new I disgust myself, but uh, <laughs> I, I love it. It's funny, you know, and, and yeah. I, I'm happier. You know? oh, I have a consistent yeah. level of contentment that I've never had before. I'm not on a roller coaster and I'm just not as reactive to things that happen in my life or my business. Things don't cut as deep. You know, I had a copycat the other day. I did this beautiful brochure for a retreat. You know, and I thought I'm going to do it differently. Everyone else does a sales page. I'm going to do a glossy travel brochure. Spent ages on it. It was beautiful. Sent it out, sold it out. And mm. then two weeks later, I saw someone else had literally done a brochure exactly like mine. Same terms and conditions, same FAQ, same aesthetic. You couldn't, you could probably look at it and go, it's a bit different, but you could, you know, and I know they're on my list and ah, uh, and I saw it and I thought, oh, really? And then mm. I thought, oh, who cares? And it lasted for like maybe half a minute. Whereas that would have been a week 
of misery before. You know, I'd have been like, why did they do it? Shall I message them? Shall I say something? Shall I call them out online? Shall I do a cross, put their page in there? Why did they? But I just thought, I don't care. Mine sold out. Good on you. Have a go. Whatever. You know, so that is, I think a lot of that is to do with giving up booze and being a bit more present and just realizing oh, none of it really matters at the end of the day. Yeah. So the the giving up the of, of the booze, was that something that was difficult to do? Or or was it something that you oh, did? Yeah. Yeah, right. Massively difficult. I mean, I, I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't say I was a rampant raging alcoholic. Mm. You know, I wasn't mm. drinking vodka out of a brown paper bag at 9 a.m. But it was the it wasn't the quantity. I wasn't really a binge drinker. It was the habitual nature of it. Yeah. You know, something that you do every day and you don't question why you do it is mm. is is worrying so yes it was hard because it would become a habit and habits are hard to break and also the whole world seems to be drinking and when you go against that you feel other and yes. while I said I like to feel other sometimes I want to feel part of the gang so you know you go out for a meal and you're not drinking and everyone else is it's like oh do I do I join in you know but now you just need to do it enough that it becomes the norm. And now no one would probably know whether I'm drinking or not. So no, you know, no one actually gives a crap. No one's asking what's in your glass. If you make a thing of it, it makes other people feel uncomfortable because they feel they have to question their choices. But it's got nothing to do with you. It's me, you know. So it was it was definitely challenging. So I take it, as I said, a couple of years. I did a lot of 30-day challenges. I did 100-day challenges. And now I'm on seven, eight months. And I'm not saying I'll never drink again. Who knows? Uh, but I definitely don't want to get back into that habitual, mm. you know, have a drink because it's Tuesday, you know, yeah. kind of approach. Yeah. You know? And that's drinking alcohol for, for our age group is huge. So bad, Most man. It is. And and the the effects that it has on, on the woman's body, particularly oh. during the perimenopause and menopause years, is massive. So, um, and, yet, yeah. and yet we're not told and this. Yet. It's not, you know, no. the, the, the links to breast cancer and all of that. I could mm-hmm. go on and on about it. People don't want to hear it. Because if they knew the truth of how bad it is, then no, no one would ever drink it again. And, you know, we're like, we need, we need some pleasures. We need some vices. Surely we're allowed a glass of wine for the love of God. Um, and it's very challenging. So, yeah, yes. I, I've been through all those arguments. <laughs> yeah. And how is that your, your change in, in how you're approaching life now? Because obviously you were saying you're happy, you're more relaxed. Things aren't upsetting you as much. How has that impacted your family, your relationship with your son, your your partner, your friends, family? What have they noticed? Well, I think, you know, I'm I'm just generally more positive, so not being grouchy. My son, obviously, bless him, love him. He, he, he's, he knows, he's 13, so I talk to him about it. But he's like, I don't really see much difference, mum. But that's only because I was good at hiding, you know, mm. I wouldn't have a glass of wine until he got to bed and stuff like that. Mm. Um, you know, I actually live with my ex, and I've lived with him for four years. So we separated four years ago and we're very, you know, most people couldn't do that, um, but we're very harmonious. I have a great relationship with my new partner. I have a lot more energy. So, and I think I'm just a lot more present. Like I've become a better, I'm not great at having lots of friends, but I've become a better friend to the friends I have. I've become a sister. I listen more. I remember more like, I, you know, I find it, I used to find it so hard to remember the name of people's kids and it was their birthday or that someone had gone and had an appointment last week. And I really ought to remember to check in and see if they're okay and close that loop and just be that person that actually remembers to ask you, are you okay? You know, what mm. did you have for breakfast? You know, I, yeah. I, I feel like I'm better at that. It's still not perfect, but I'm getting better at that. Just feel more present, you mm. know, in, in mm. my actual life. I'm not constantly escaping it. I don't know how I actually found time to drink, to be honest. 
because now I feel like I have no time at all in a good way but I just don't know how I found so much time to sit around drinking wine you know it's mm. crazy. and did that affect your because I know for myself if I have a couple of drinks it affects my my body so much more now I'll yeah. wake up heart will be racing I feel yeah. lousy and I, I haven't had much compared yeah. to you know what I would have had in my younger years so have you noticed those sort of changes as well and that would obviously if you have made a difference oh I mean I can't tell you Joe that I suffered from terrible anxiety and I've suffered from anxiety and depression all my all my life and you know being on medication at various times um and I used to think why am I waking up at three o'clock and having this racing heart and worrying about everything in the world. Like, what is that? That's so weird. Why is it? Maybe I'll stop having coffee. Maybe. And it's just the one thing that obviously causes it is booze. Everyone who drinks, no Mm. matter how much you drink, there's something to do with the way your body processes it. But after about five, five or six hours after you've gone to bed, it gets to the liver bit. And your body releases cortisol to try and process the alcohol through your system because it's poison. So your mm. body's fighting that poison. And that happens at around three, two, three o'clock in the morning because that's when your body gets that fit. But I didn't want to admit that. So, you know, and then you're having lack of sleep. And sleep, as we know, is key to everything and aging and well-being and everything, you know. So it's all linked. And I would literally say I cannot even engender the feelings of anxiety that I used to live with every day. I used to pick mm. up every day feeling like something's going to happen, you know. And I can't even make myself feel like that anymore. Even if I try to worry about something, I just can't get to that level anymore. It's just gone. So mm-hmm. for me, it's been life-changing. I sound really preachy. I hope it's not coming across as that. This is my journey. And I've been on the other side of this for a long time going, oh, shut up, let me have my wine. Um, so I don't want to come across as pre- preachy, but it's been life-changing for me. Mm. And yet still, Joe, I still I still romanticize alcohol and go, love a glass of Pinot Grigio. Oh, that looks so good. Even yeah. though I know rationally, it adds no value to my life. It's a 20 minute dopamine high. And then I feel crap and I have to have more and more. And I know all of this, but I still want it. So I'm still working on it, you know? Mm, well, it is a work in progress. And and you're certainly not sounding preaching. You're saying how it is for you. Yeah. And it's really, and but that's why I'm doing what I'm doing also. Yeah. So other women who, who may be experiencing what you're going through might go, oh, maybe I should just try that. Yeah. And it's it's lovely to hear that you've been on both sides and you know the difference it's made yes. for your health and all yeah. So you've obviously, you've stopped your alcohol, you, you're going to the gym, you're feeling better within yourself. What else is on your your wellness um, vision that you're, you're really wanting to focus on next? Is there something else you want to add to your menu? Yes, absolutely. It's all around, you know, mental health and mindset. So I think I've done a lot to improve my physical health, uh, you know, what I eat, how I sleep, exercise. But still, I think I need to do more work on I've, I, I've a bit of, I'm a bit of a doom monkey. Um, as I said, I've, I've got a, obviously a depressive side to me. I'm a bit bleak, a bit sarcastic. You can hear the words coming through of who I am, you know, the, the unlovable thing. So I think that's the next stage for me. I, I use meditation now. I'm trying to do a bit of a gratitude journal. I'm not great at it. And obviously, because I'm somebody that praises streaks and productivity you know I need to get over the fact that if I miss a day of my gratitude journal it doesn't mean I throw that notepad away and have to start again you know I can pick it up again that's a big thing to forgive yourself for so that's my final bit like just working on the mind and trying to separate that think feel act cycle just because I think a thought doesn't mean I have to feel a certain way and I don't have to act upon it yes and trying to catch myself 
I used to say this, Joan, I used to say there's like five stages or something. Some people catch themselves after an emotional outburst or a bad feeling a couple of weeks later and they go, God, that was weird. Some people catch themselves immediately afterwards and go, that was weird. Some people catch themselves in the moment and go, stop it. What am I doing? Mm -hmm. Some people notice it coming up, catch themselves just before. I want to get to the stage where like I can feel it coming. And I've noticed that this week I'm in the process of pitching my book. It's very emotional and vulnerable. It's been rejected by one publisher. That's making me have issues, you know, questions mm. about my ego and oh, can I write? And I'm really trying to be gentle with myself because if I don't recognize it now in a week, I'll be in a heap when all four reject me, you know, which they may not, but they may do. I need to be prepared for that and watch my emotions and feelings. And so I'm trying to, that's my main thing, sort my brain yeah. out. Yeah. Oh, awareness is key. That's the start of everything, though. And and the fact that you are starting to become far more aware of what your thoughts are and the impact that they can have on you, that is huge. Yeah. I wish you well on that next part of your your wellness because that is something that is always going to be ongoing. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, some days you have good days and bad days and it's forgiving yourself for that as well. But, yeah, yeah, that's my main goal now. I'm trying to find different methods. Gratitude journals working quite well for me at the moment. Mm -hmm. And also writing out my woes because literally I seem to have the same three woes every day. It doesn't change. And then you kind of go, it's quite boring worrying about the same thing again and again and again. I might stop. Maybe I'll just stop worrying about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hear you. Sometimes (laughs) there is that loop that keeps on going and then you've got to work out where has that come from and then just try to dig dig a little bit deeper because it has to be, yeah, it's coming from somewhere. So once you deal with where it's come from initially, then you can start that process of of healing and fixing. So, Kate, over the years... um, we're only starting to talk more openly now as women, maybe because we've got to this age, but I think the conversation is just happening more and more is, is what I'm noticing because there's more platforms to do so. So the whole idea of the, the perimenopausal years and menopausal years and how it's affecting women is something that I think should be shared, needs to be shared. How have you found the transition? Are you through the transition? Are you going through a transition time now? I mean, as as you all know, Joe, it's really hard to tell. You know, like I've been to the doctors and said, am I? And they're like, we won't really know until you're not. In a way, you know, we can do blood tests, we can do this, that and the other, but it's quite hard to identify that perimenopause period and the menopause. And also so many of the symptoms are just part of a woman's life, feeling tired all the time, lack of energy, hair coming out of strange places, periods stopping and stopping. That's been my whole life, right? You know, so mm-hmm. am I more tired? Is this a different kind of kind of tired? Am I putting on weight here and there because I'm eating Mars bars? I don't. So it's quite hard as women because our hormones are affecting us all the time to kind of go. This is perimenopause and this isn't. So I don't know, Joe. And mm-hmm. I'm in the I'm in the menopause groups. I'm listening to the podcasts, and it's kind of quite scary. You know, you read some things that are happening to women, and it's quite frightening. I'm like, oh my god, this is horrifying. Um, and I'm obviously quite keen for it all to be over. I'm sick of periods. How annoying are periods? Mm. Um, I'm keen for it all to be over, but also, I don't know. I'm I'm quite daunted by it, and so I appreciate the conversations because I want to I don't want to be as scared of it as I am like that I'm yes. gonna in in two years time suddenly I'm gonna grow a beard and put 40 kilos on do you know what I mean <laughs> I if know. I choose, there are, there if I choose to do stories. that yeah. yeah there are some awful stories and 
but also you do also wonder what other lifestyle choices those people are making mm -hmm. you know are you eating well are you exercising are you doing these things and is that compounding it or I don't know so I'm frightened Joe I'll be honest I don't know what's what's coming Aww. maybe I'll just breeze through it my mom breezed through it pretty well yeah. um she was and she was you know menopausal around my age I'm 48 nearly 49 um so I don't know ah, well, yeah, I, I that's that's one of my my big areas that I'm focusing on now and helping women going through the the perimenopausal transition. And the mere fact that um, some women suffer terribly, around twenty percent of women will suffer terribly. Around about sixty percent will have signs and symptoms of that that can impact them, and twenty percent just breeze through. So there's just such a continuum on on where you can be during this stage of life. But the important part is it's a natural phase of a woman's life, and it's one that you don't realize it's out there because I, for me, I thought hot flushes, period stops, that's it. There's that's what so I thought. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. So much more, and it's a shame that women don't have as much information as what they should have. So they're not frightened, they're not scared. They can just see, well, it is a normal part of our life, and um, if if things are getting really bad, then what can you do? And for you, for yourself, Kate. Big claps because you've looked at all of these different aspects of your wellness to improve your health. So it will help you with your transitioning time now and for the future. Yeah. And I think, I, I hope so. But I think there's a big identity thing tied up in it as well. Like, you know, women of a certain age, no one looks at you anymore. You know, your sexuality is gone. You're not a vital, vibrant, baby producing female. So therefore, what value do you have to society? So I think it's really important that women of our vintage and older show up, do stuff. Uh, there's a lovely lady that I love following who I've asked, recommended to be on your podcast, Jules Brooke, who I love. And she's a little bit older than me. And I'm like, every time she does something, I'm like, brilliant. Because if she's doing that, then that means I can. And it just, it's like, we're not, we don't become redundant as soon as, you know, we stop having periods. And I think that's a bit of a, society has told us that, you know, mm -hmm. that we're not attracted anymore that we don't have if you're not attractive you have no value it's a really hard one I think you know you spent your whole life yeah. trying to attract men and now I couldn't give a damn uh, <laughs> uh, so it's like who are you if you are not that person who you've been it's funny you know it is funny and it's changing the narrative of that because you're saying you spend all that time attracting men well now it's a time it's it's for doing things for ourselves and that exactly yeah that is a big difference and a big mindset shift for a lot of women also not being a, an active parent anymore so you know five mm -hmm. years time ish my son will be off to university I mean obviously I hope he comes back but this phase of parenting is coming to a close yeah and who am I if I'm not a parent because mm -hmm. also the other thing I'm struggling with Joe is all the way up till now life is a progression you know you go to university you get your first job you rent a flat you find a partner you get married you have kids you build you know all this stuff and then it's like ah, oh, what's next yeah you know, pay your mortgage off Mm. go go on cruises like what are we doing this bit you know this that's, is what's next. that's exactly right because you know okay the, the next question I had for you was around just this topic I had that your son is no longer a little boy so he's yeah. only got a few more years at home he's not going to be needing you as much as he gets older and older particularly because his friends will become key your beloved dog and I love the name I just got I have to get it right though Pomple Moose Pomple Pomple for yeah. short is also getting older. So how are you preparing that time for when they're not around? So you know it's happening. So are you doing anything? 
Oh, absolutely. Actually, my son and my um, ex-partner went to the UK for three weeks and it was the first time I'd ever been in the house on my own for more than a day. Oh. And it was a it was a huge adventure of my emotions. And I came out the other side so much better because I really enjoyed the solitude, you know, taking pride in things like the house being clean, being able to cook myself really nice meals, waking up and everything being exactly as it was. It made me make more of an effort to go out, to go to the gym, to make contact with friends. I feel like I really want to go back and study in that phase. I want to maybe go and do a master's in something. I want to write my book. I want to travel. You know, I say to my partner, oh, my God, I'm going to have, I'm going to just, my son's not going to be around. My dog will be dead. What will I do? And he says, you'll be free. Mm. And if you're, you know, and I'm working really hard on my financial security. So I've got a financial planner now. I'm looking at my super. I'm really taking ownership of my finances, which I think women should do. Yes. And, you know, maybe I'll be one of those women. You know, who who has really cool white bob. That's kind of something I'm aspiring to. Your hair's pretty cool, Jane. And <laughs> and and has lunches. And you know, I I go past the little ceramics place in Yumina where I live, and there's women in there just making pots and just looking mm. really happy. And I'm like, I want to make a pot. So that's I, I'm looking forward to it. You know, oh, I'm gonna do my, my paint by numbers and plant some potatoes and all these things that I want to do now that I'm like oh I'm going to do them all I think it's going to be brilliant yeah it will be brilliant and that's why I think don't yeah, don't be scared of this stage that you're going through now because it's going to lead you to an even better stage further down the track that's what we need to hear <laughs> we do need to hear absolutely we need to hear we need to see women doing it because we can't be what we can't see so the more of us that are out there oh. doing it the more it needs I like to that we can't like be that. what we can't see mm. hashtag I love that Joe. <laughs> that's amazing I can't credit that as being entirely my own. It is well known saying, but I've yeah. never heard it. So oh, have you? Oh, all right. Well, I'll credit it for this. This podcast. <laughs> so you know, you and your partner Tony have discovered the joys of weekend getaways in an old van that you're you're doing up, as well as prioritizing that time together. So, how important is this for you, and why? Yeah, I mean, he's at the same stage of life as me. He's got uh, young, he's got older kids, but he's also got two younger kids from a second marriage, and then one of them slightly younger than Orion. So, yeah, we don't get to see each other that much, so we have to really enjoy the time we have. Um, we're not living together, and and I honestly have no plans to ever live with him. He's really messy, Joe. <laughs> And I'm also, I just don't want to compromise again on that. Yeah. Yeah. I'd rather we visit each other's spaces, but they're our own spaces. But the van is our mutual space. It's like a little mini home that we've created. And I, I he did all the electrics, but I did all the renovation, which was a huge achievement because I don't know how to bring, put a new light bulb in, but I built cabinets and tables and beds and all Look sorts. at you. I know, Joe. It's almost it got to the point where I was like, maybe this could be a side hustle. Maybe I could renovate vans. But I've got to stop trying to turn everything I enjoy into something making money. So I'm like, no, mm. something I enjoy. No, it's super important. I love not more than anything else other than my dog and my son. I love waking up in a new place. And I'm not talking about Azerbaijan or Tokyo, even if it's just like whoop whoop and it's a slightly different coals that I'm going to I get a lot of pleasure out of that going to their little local coffee shop and and you know I love just new places and just pottering around so the van gives us that you know it's super cheap and go anywhere and then we can retreat to our little bubble in the van yeah it's brilliant yeah no that's and, and just looking at what you'll post from time to time it looks like you're having an absolute ball what you're doing so yeah well 
Yeah. So it's that whole thing of, you know, um, no disrespect to my first partner who was lovely, but, you know, with my new partner, like it's, it's so much more patience and mm. forgiveness and awareness as well. And like, you know, is he perfect? No, of course he's not, but nor am I. And, you know, we, we really, he's really thoughtful and, you know, does a lot of self-help stuff and listens to a lot of podcasts. And it's just really, it's just a really great relationship, but one I couldn't have had 10 years ago. I wasn't yeah. emotionally mature enough to have it. Um, Cause you, I, it, I might not be able to use the D word on your pod, but you know, sometimes you look at situations and it's like, who's, who's the, who's the dick? in this relationship yeah. and I look back at many situations like oh my god I was the dick mm. you know it was me and mm. and a big part of getting older is being able to go yeah it's you actually who's the problem you can blame everybody else but you, maybe you need to look at yourself a little bit more and I am able to do that now yeah. which is a lot better <laughs> a lot better and, I'll, and that's that's not an easy thing to do because sometimes right. you don't like what's reflecting back at you exactly <laughs> exactly it's okay you are incredibly creative and you've spoken about a uh, a book that, that you're wanting to write as well. And your business reflects that beautifully. So what is next on the cards? For me, it's it's, mm. it's keeping on, keeping on. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily want to make anything dramatic or new, you know, make maybe a few little courses I might pop in here or there. I'm really moving away from public speaking, which was a big thing for me because um, I just like being at home. I know, isn't that shocking to admit? Are we allowed to say that? Oh, yeah. Um, Dirty words. They're the dirty words we can say now. Yeah, we can definitely say that. Yeah. You know, I was just mentioning to you that I've actually planned out my entire year down to every coaching call, every masterclass, every, you know, time for podcasts so that I can see the gaps. So, you know, for the next year, yes, I want to write the book, but I'm not going to make that some kind of stick to beat myself with. Um, I just want to have a nice life. Like my life is pretty groundhoggy. The day runs pretty much the same every day. And I used to find that so suffocating. And now I think it's delicious. I just, I I worry that I'm going to get a bit small minded. You know how some old people are like, oh, I can't sit on that bench because that's not my bench. I always sit on this bench, Maureen. I don't want to be like that. But I can see why people get like that because there is such a comfort in the familiar. And while I do believe good things happen outside your comfort zone, I think some amazing things can happen in your comfort zone. And we Mm. shouldn't deny that, you know, being comfortable is not bad. Yeah, we don't always have to be hustling and pushing and dreaming big. I want to dream medium. Thank you very much. I just want to be happy and enjoy my day as best I can. Yeah, so that was one of the things that I usually have to wind up, Kate, is what sort of life advice would you have for the 40-plus woman? Is that the advice that you would give? I think, yeah, I mean, and it's advice that probably no one would be willing to take because <laughs> I'm mm-hmm. terrible at taking advice. Yeah, I think it's, it's you, know, you know, stop comparing yourself to other people at different life stages and just it's appreciate the little things. It sounds so cliche. And, you know, if someone had said that to me 10 years ago, I'd be like, eh. Um, but yeah, just appreciate, as I said, good things happen in your comfort zone. That would be my advice. Don't yeah. always need to be pushing and hustling now and again, like right now I'm pitching my book out. It's very uncomfortable. I'm not enjoying it. I don't like rejection, but, uh, but I'm doing it. I'm being brave and doing it, but mm. I wouldn't put myself through that every month. Mm. You know, what, what's the point? Who am I trying to impress? Who cares? No one cares. So just, you know not necessarily feeling I have to keep achieving for some unknown reason yeah myself a break. yeah yeah wise advice Kate and um <laughs> how could people if if 
those who are listening would like to contact you or find out more about you and what you do, how can they they find Kate Toon? Well, luckily, I used to be quite good at SEO. So if you type Kate Toon into Google, you'll find something. I'm Kate Toon on Instagram and Kate Toon on LinkedIn and everywhere else. And I do love a chat. You're more than welcome to slide into my DMs. And I don't have a team of minions doing my socials and all that stuff. It's all me. So you will get me um, if you want to say hi. As I did, I slid into Joe's DMs and forced her yes. to be on her podcast. So. <laughs> and I'm so very thankful that you did because I've had I've thoroughly enjoyed this chat and getting to know you better. It's been brilliant. So, Kate, my, my final question for you before we wrap up is, if you could look into the future, what do you hope that 80-year-old Kate will say about current day Kate? Oh, what a question. Oh. Gosh, I don't know the answers to that. I, don't, I think that she was a good mum, uh, that she was a good friend. She did her best. I think that would be it, really. And she had a nice bottom. I've got quite a nice bottom at the moment. I've worked really hard on it. Um, you know, and it's that whole thing of, like, you know, you, you whinge about yourself when you're 20 and then you look at yourself when at 30 at 20 and go, oh, my God, I was great. So I think that's what I'll say. Nice mum, nice friend, nice partner, pretty, pretty kind to people, pretty generous, and she had a nice bottom. Oh, I love that. I love that you finish on she had a nice bottom. Well, let's hope 80-year-old Kate still has got a fairly tight tush, so she'll be saying the same same thing as well. Hooray! (laughs) We can't be what we can't see, Kate, so let's see. You you work those glutes in that that gym. I will. I'll I'll, I'll see my bum in the mirror. Joe, this has been lovely. You're lovely. Can I just say that? You're lovely. I feel like I've had a a, a warm hug and a bowl of porridge. Thank you, Joe. And thank you for your time, Kate. Absolutely enjoyed it. All right, take care. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening and sharing your time with me today. I had such a fun time chatting to Kate and I really hope you enjoyed listening to her midlife journey as much as I did. I'm going to be taking a short two week break, but I'll be back early in the new year. So please make sure you take this opportunity to catch up with the other fabulous episodes that you might've missed. In the meantime, I'd love you to hit subscribe wherever you listen and leave a five-star rating and review. To keep spreading these empowering messages, Please share this podcast with other incredible midlife women in your world. On socials, you can find me on Instagram and Pinterest at Joe Clark Coaching. I'd also like to invite you to join my private Facebook group, Women's Wellness Collective. You can also head to my website at joeclarkcoaching.com for more information. All the links that I've mentioned in today's episode can be found in the show notes. I'd love to wish you and your loved ones a very happy and safe festive season. Thanks again for tuning in.